Welcome to DevMode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston. And today we have on Brandon Kelly from Pixel and Tonic. Hello. And we also have Leah Stevenson from Pixel and Tonic. Hello. Is it Stevenson or Stephenson? Stevenson. <laughs> I can edit out that other part. But anyway, the, the reason why <laughs> the reason why we have Brandon and Leah on the podcast, not that we wouldn't want to talk to them anytime. We love them both, right? But they just released a little something at from Pixel and Tonic called Craft CMS 3.1, Commerce 2, that includes Commerce Lite, and a new plugin store. So we wanted to get them on to talk about it because there's a whole bunch of cool new stuff in Craft 3.1 and Commerce 2. So, uh, Brandon, if you are out felling timber in the Cascade Mountains in Oregon and some other lumberjack kind of walked up to you and said, well, what's what's awesome about Craft 3.1? What would you tell them? (laughs) The the situation that's not going to happen for me. Never, Never say never, man. Well, if that um, fellow lumberjack happened to also be a web developer that was familiar with craft, then I would let them know that they basically don't need to worry about syncing uh, database changes as often anymore. That if they're and he says, going... what's a database? Brandon, you're going to have to shout over the, the sound from the chainsaws. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, so we're talking. You're talking about you're talking about project config, right? Yes, we've made it possible for collaborating on a craft site without sharing database dumps all the time. Pushing pushing changes up to production, having them you know automatically sync up based on some deploy command you can run. We've we've doubled down on environment variable support, so uh, you can type environment variable names directly into a bunch of system settings now. Uh, and then we've also added uh, soft delete support. So you know, if you if you accidentally cut down the wrong tree in Craft 3.1, you can you can press a button and revert that. Hmm. Uh, locate yourself to the wrong forest and chop the wrong forest down. You can you can undo the entire thing at once. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's going to be something that a lot of clients are really going to love, right? Because it it happens all the time that people go in there and they'll delete something and they'll go, oh crap. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Does that does that cover the case of if if I go in there and I delete a user? Um, yeah. So that's I, a very common common case, or at least it used to be. Um, I think at some point in three we improved. Well, let me let me let me uh, take it back a second. The the issue that that a lot of people have have dealt with is that you delete a user and it gives you a uh, dialogue that says, "Well, what do you want to do with this user's content?" And it gives you two options. It doesn't select either one by default, but those two options are: you can transfer it all to another user, and you can pick that user, or you can delete it. You can have it all deleted. Uh, and what it meant by content was the user's entries or any, you know, if plugins are providing their own concepts of uh, user-owned content, then uh, they could hook themselves into that process as well uh, and have that deleted or transferred as well. And what happened was a lot of people would would see that. And, and I think, you know, people are so used to having to click confirmation dialogues yep. that uh, they would just see it. They would see the words delete, they'd click it and they'd click OK. Uh, and just assume the whole thing was a confirmation dialogue and not read any of the actual text. 
We've since improved that design, so it happens. We've I don't think we've heard of any uh, big horror stories since we since we updated this dialogue. And basically, the change was that we've we've added a bullet list of what exactly you're going to get deleted here. So it's going to have a list of like you know 1,500 entries and you know plugins if they have anything else they could add to that bullet list. That's great. Um, and I think that probably is just enough to like really you know, hammer it home, like this, you know, what, what you're choosing to do right now. Uh, oh, this is more than a regular dialogue or confirmation yeah. dialogue. Reconsider um, your actions. Yeah. Reconsider <laughs> your actions here. Um, or at least read the thing and, and choose who you want to transfer it all to. That said, we're not so confident that our new design is going to be completely foolproof. So one of the benefits of soft deletes is, is yeah, you'll be able to not only resurrect the user, but then you can go into the entries section. You can, you know, find all the entries that just got soft deleted as well and resurrect them as well. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, the other thing that I think is big for me anyway, um, is that there's an allow admin changes config Mm -hmm. where you can disable Uh, admin functions on staging and production so that effectively the only place you can make certain admin changes would be in local dev or, you know, maybe you wanted them to be able to make it in staging and you've got a workflow that syncs down or or whatever. But I think that's fantastic for two reasons. Um, One, it helps with your workflow in terms of being able to ensure that it's a a one-way flow, Uh which is fantastic. And then the other reason why I think it's really awesome is you can use it with a craft solo and it will make it such that the client can have a login on production, but they can't hurt the site. Right. right? Kind of takes them back to yeah. uh, simulating a craft client edition uh, installed yeah. from craft two. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. And you also got uh, live preview that works across multiple do- domains. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to get the take from Leah in marketing. So we're going to kind of do like a, a yin-yang yin kind of thing here. So if you were out at Comic-Con dressed up as Batman and Robin walks up to you and says, hey, what are the cool marketing features in Craft CMS 3.1? Like, what would you tell them? In other words, like, how would you pitch this product? Like, what what marketing angles would you be using in terms of the new features that are in there? In 3.1? Yes. 3.1 just makes, you know, craft more developer friendly. It makes it easier for developers to use um, with project config. config. It, it makes it more efficient. And a lot of what we talk about in marketing with craft is it allows agencies or whoever's building your site to spend their time and budget on building a site for you, mm-hmm. building something that's unique to your brand has the design and functionality that's important to you and they don't have to spend their time wrestling with templates and the CMS. So with 3.1, we're just doing more to allow agencies and developers to be more efficient, which saves everyone time and money and frustration. Nice. Well, I mean, I'm just a humble sheep herder, but what I would do, what I would demo to someone that maybe didn't know a whole lot about it is I would open up the admin CP. I would show all of what? the. Oh my god! I did it again. <laughs> it's the it's the CP. Brandon and I have gone back on this, back and forth. I've got like some weird thing in my head where it's called the admin CP, and and Brandon's like, no, it doesn't say that anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I would open up the CP, 
And uh, on the front end, I would show like this nice blog content. And on the back end, I would go in there and I would say, oh, we just fired this person. I delete that person. And then I reload the front end and I go, oh, my God, all our content is gone. Right. I'd go back to the back end and I'd say, thanks to the new soft delete feature in Craft CMS 3.1, not a problem. Click the button, restore it, boom. That's the something, the kind of thing that an end user, like not not the agencies mm-hmm. that would be using it, but that an end user would be like, oh my God, like, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I can't wait for trainings now. Like there are a couple parts of Craft CMS trainings that I do that I just put fear into my, my content authors and I don't like that. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it involves, hey, if you delete a user, be terrified because if you click delete it, we're going to have to go and try to restore from your backup. Now there's, it, it's at least a little bit more user friendly, but as well, there's soft delete, which has also been, it gets into how we think about permissions and all that. It just, it puts a big guardrail up against people making honest mistakes. Yep. Uh, and right. I'm, yeah, just so happy for it. I mean, it's really fantastic. I've done similar things with um, when I'm showing someone how to use Git, because I've worked with people that <laughs> they've never used Git before. And you you check everything in, and then you go over to their computer, and then you read <laughs> everything, and they're like, "What are you doing?" And then you empty the trash, you know. <laughs> they're like, "Oh my god, done!" Um, and then you're like, "No, no, no! Look, look, we're using version control now. No problem. Boom, bring it all back, you know." But it, that's really cool. I mean, I'm I'm excited about these features, both from the point of view of using them, we are actually actively working on a project right now that uses Craft 3.1. And I can confirm that project config is freaking awesome mm. um, because <laughs> it's allowing us to collaborate together to add stuff, uh, add sections, um, uh, add all sorts of different things. And it just makes the workflow so much nicer, right? We're still using uh, database syncing to sync the actual content, but not having to worry about a field not existing because my colleague is the one that added it. I don't have it. I mean, it it makes a big difference. I think it's amazing. But I'm also looking forward to it from the perspective of it gives some shiny new features for plugin developers to to take advantage of, which is really cool. I mean, I like the way that you have done this, where all of the stuff that Craft can do, you're exposing to plugin developers. So if you want to use project config, you can. You know, if you want to use soft deletes, you can. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's. That's really awesome. Yeah, I mean, I like, and I know we've got other things with commerce and all that, but I mean, for project config, it's very much for developers. I think it strongly benefits developers. Soft delete strongly benefits content authors. Right. Um, and the other thing that you know, to anyone who maybe is still supporting Craft Two sites, maybe more and more of your plugins are ready now that they've been ported. I think soft deletes is a great way to, you know, it'll make a lot more sense for a client to make that jump onto Craft Three and put time and money and whatever else into it because soft deletes are a real tangible okay i get it this is why you know it's not just a behind the hood change that's uh you can easily make the argument that's this is the number one feature about craft three uh over craft two for users right yep, now very much so um, absolutely and and i'm pretty sure that's the case because we've gotten a lot of support from people updating from craft two uh, just in the last week, uh, just since launching. Yeah, I believe it. That, and <laughs> that is really awesome that Soft Elite is in there. Yeah, but how does it work? Is it is it set to 30 days right now? Can we override that in the config? Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's um, there's a new config setting called Soft Elite Duration, and by default it's set to 30 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go in there, you can set it to zero if you just want to 
<laughs> I forget if that completely disables it or if it, play it on hard it, mode. Yeah, it, it, it <laughs> immediately. I think I think zero actually might just just um, keep things in there for, in perpetuity because there's actually situations where the, the system kind of relies on soft deletes now. Mm. Um, for example, if you're if you're let's say you're working on a site with a colleague and um, and uh, they add a new site and delete the old site. Mm-hmm. And then they push all that to project config or push the new project config and you get pull it. If you like basically what project config will do is it'll go and say, okay, well, I'll go ahead and add this new one and then it'll delete the old one. And in the process, you will have lost all your content um, (laughs) because craft doesn't reassign content entries to the new site immediately. That's a pretty complicated, long, you know, uh, process. So it does that over a background task in the queue, throws something in the queue. And if that old site is deleted immediately, uh, hard deleted immediately, then the key, then the queue is going to try and load these entries. It's not going to find any because they all just got deleted through a cascade delete foreign key okay. in the database. So we kind of need to give a little bit of time uh, where, you know, that's that old site is deleted, but it's still somewhere in the database. And it's there in a way where we can still fetch the old the entries that were assigned to it and reassign them to the new site uh, as that queue job, you know, works its way through. So anyways, yeah, so get to back to your question. There's a soft delete duration thing. You can change it to, you know, 60 days. You can change it to a week, whatever you want to do. And then there's also a new concept called garbage collection. Mm-hmm. So craft isn't actually checking to see if it should be hard deleting content on every single request. That would be an unnecessary mm-hmm. overhead for every single request. So instead, we've got a concept called garbage collection, which basically runs, uh, you know, there's some there's some configurable uh, percentage chance that it will run on any given request. So each okay. request, it'll just roll some dice, depending on the odds that you've you've configured it for. Uh, if, if it wins, then it'll go ahead and run this garbage collection routine. And part of that is deleting any soft deleted content that is due to be hard deleted. So even the 30 days, once you hit that, it's not going to go away immediately. It's kind of at that point up for hard deletion based on the next garbage collection hmm. routine runs. And is that garbage collection, is there any way to like turn it off for request and have it run on the CLI or maybe down the road? Yeah, you, you can actually disable garbage collection automatically uh, mm-hmm. through, I, I forget, there's a, it's a garbage, garbage GC probability config mm-hmm. setting or something like that. Um, you can set that to zero, at which point it just won't ever run. And there's also a CLI command called GC that you Very can cool. run anytime. Yeah. Um, and that actually gives you the option to go ahead and delete all trashed items, regardless of whether they're due for hard deletion or not. Mm-hmm. So regardless of whether the system traditionally would consider them garbage yet versus just something that's soft deleted, but still within its duration. Interesting. So, so set that up. If you wanted to, you could disable it, set up a task that runs at 3 a.m. and have it just do it then and there, right? You could, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you if you don't want to add that extra tax to web requests, you could just do that. You could set that to zero and Man, run this, it to your job. All this probability and, and stuff, I'm having flashbacks to how PHP file sessions are handled. Yep. <laughs> yep. They do right. almost exactly the same thing. They do. And there was something in Yi that, did the, that was modeled after the PHP stuff, and we modeled it after the Yi stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, it's all... Well, that, that makes sense, and I'm sure yeah. I'm sure PHP's is modeled after JavaScript too. So, or and, you know, modeled after something else. Who knows? Man, I was for some reason I was like stumbling through the 
the Yee docs sometime late at night. And this is probably a month or two ago before 3.1 was out. And I found the soft delete behavior. And I'm like, oh, that's how they did it, right? You guys are, are leveraging. There's a, a Yee uh, package for that does handles a lot of the soft delete stuff for you, right? There is. Um, yeah. We... So that one's it's basically a behavior for records. Um, yeah. And I think I want to say one of the you guys, Alex Markov or whatever his last name is, he actually pointed that out to us. He he found our GitHub issue about someone requesting soft deletes and, and put a comment in there. And uh, that's how we found out about it. We checked it out. It's cool. It's perfect for, for record soft deleting. So we're using that. We've added a new trait that records can use that incorporates right. that behavior into the record without needing to configure it um, right. since most you know craft records and, and tables are going to follow our conventions and use the same date deleted column name and, and whatnot. Uh, so we've kind of simplified the implementation of that behavior um, to a point where you just write use soft delete trait and you're done. But then, of course, a lot of the queries in craft uh, aren't using records. They're just either, you know, going, they're generally going through the query builder. And so we've added a new query command called soft delete and Query command called restore that are kind of modeled after that soft delete behavior. So there's so there's multiple ways to get at soft deleted content to soft delete content and to restore content. Yeah. Well, I, I think Patrick is 100% correct here that this is a, a really great new feature that developers can use to kind of sell their clients on, you know, hey, look, maybe, uh, maybe it's time to upgrade, you know, because they're going to be able to get this soft delete stuff. Yeah. I think, I, I think everyone would really uh enjoy that you know whether whether or not it's actually happened to them or not on the site before in terms of deleting stuff people like that security right for sure and you know the other thing too is with with project config there's a higher likelihood uh that you'll need it um again there was the site scenario but then there's also the scenario of like maybe you forgot to make sure everyone's databases were in sync before implementing project config so even though you might all have the same news section or the same, you know, article matrix field or whatever, uh, that, that are all set to the same settings. Maybe their UIDs in the database aren't the same. Uh, mm. and if they're not the same, that's, I mean, that's basically like the project config version of their ID. Yeah. Uh, and so if their UIDs differ, um, you know, then as soon as you sync up your project configs, you know, one of those sections is going to go away and the other one's going to, going to come back that looks the same, but it's missing all its content now. Um, soft deletes, you know, provide a, um, you know, a way to resolve that situation where you just, okay, fine. Well, I'll just look at my project config, you know, my config backups folder, get my old project config back, uh, load that in, apply it, sync it. And then um, not only does the section, which, which also has soft delete support, not only does that come back, but so does all the content that got deleted alongside it. Yeah. So, so that's a good point that we should mention is that whenever the project config is synced, it keeps a numbered backup of the older ones, right? Right. So every change you make that results in a change to the project config, there's a storage slash config backups folder, and we'll basically you know knock all the current ones down a notch. So if it was if there was something in there called project.yaml.1, it'll become project.yaml.2, etc. And then another one gets added to the top. That's the, now the current project config, and that's not ever loaded by the system. It's just there. Uh, Either for, for us, when you write into support, it's now included in that support widget submission, <laughs> all of those backups, uh, yep. or it's also for you if you want to have a way to revert a change um, that maybe didn't make its way into Git yet. 
Yeah, that's that's really cool. I mean, I I've gone through the list of features that are in Craft 3.1, and they all make me really really happy <laughs> from a developer point of view. And even the the soft delete thing makes me really happy because it's something that I can pitch to clients. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I I think that's fantastic. Well, why don't we? Talk about something else that you also, Brandon. You've got a thing for simultaneous releases. <laughs> is that like what is what is that? <laughs> okay, we're talking about software development, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, <laughs> oh, man. yeah, we're talking about software development. It's amazing to me. Like it, you must, you must like the pressure or something because it. You, <laughs> Uh, some I don't know. I got, a, I got a big team full of full of uh, very talented people, and I got to put them to work. Yeah, that's true. So you know, you, I, you, yeah, we launched three things, but they were you know led by three different lead developers, and you know, uh, I kind of got involved in helping coordinate everything. Uh, we we always meet on Mondays and kind of sync up with each other's statuses and whatnot. But but yeah, I mean, it's 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 very manageable with a big team like this. So. Well, it's kind of like the Iditarod. Right. So the sled dogs, like people that don't know anything about it, they're like, oh, those poor dogs, you know. No, that's not the way it works. Those dogs love to run. They love to pull uh, the sled. And so if you've got a dog that you're not putting them to work and making them run, it's an unhappy dog. Yeah. 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 And I think developers like to be challenged. I mean, we do I, plenty of that. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, most of the, there are definitely times that I, you know, I'm banging my head into the wall and I'm saying, why me? And rethinking my entire life. I mean, that, that definitely happens. Well, but that's, that's why there's whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> that's what whiskey is for. But there are also times that when something really challenging happens and I figure it out, I'm like, yeah, that's why I do this. You know what I mean? Like, I really enjoy that. Like, I enjoy totally. the hard problems. And you've got a lot of really smart people on your team. So it makes sense to me, you know? Yeah, but you 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 definitely have this penchant for being like, now you know what, guys, we're going to release this all at the same time, right? So, in addition to Craft three point one, um, we also have Craft Commerce two, and Craft Commerce two, it's a big deal, right? the The whole thing was rewritten, and it's literally, it it's a baby, because you Craft Commerce two was in beta for exactly nine months, right? <laughs> well, so. <laughs> So it, it yeah, wouldn't be so, crazy to call it a baby because it, it gestated for a good nine months. <laughs> that's that's that is the uh, the real thumb. You're right. If you're building something, that doesn't, if it takes more than nine months, who knows? It's probably. And this is the time we let the analogy just sit there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go further, Andrew. <laughs> um, so so I mean, like logistically, it makes sense uh, for us to coordinate these releases because. There's there's always dependencies across the things. So so commerce, in all honesty, like that's you know it's been sitting in beta, but it's it's been in a very stable state for for a long time. It's it's been more stable as far as support is concerned, as far as as far as we can tell from support and bugs or bug reports. It's been more stable than commerce one ever was for a while. But we really wanted commerce light, the new commerce light edition, to be part of the commerce two launch. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't possibly do that until Graft had edition support. Right. And that was something we had been planning on doing in a 3.1. Uh, and we couldn't possibly do that without launching a new 
big update to the plugin store that you know supports additions on that end as well. Uh, both on, I'm sorry, the web the website of it, service side of it, and also the the craft CMS client side of it. So, you know, we couldn't we couldn't get commerce out until Craft 3.1 and the new plugin store were out. So we just you know out of necessity kind of try and coordinate those releases and make sure that you know commerce two is is being developed with the same target target date as as everything else well okay so let's talk about commerce two what are the major new features in here if the uh, the lumberjack's girlfriend walked up to you and oh she gosh. said hey you know it's all well and good about this <laughs> commerce or craft 3.1 but what about <laughs> commerce two like that's what i care about so what would you tell her in terms of the the major new things in there i mean so you rewrote the whole thing but what what else are some of the major changes in there yeah, the, the biggest one is subscriptions. So that's something that's been like the number one feature of uh, commerce since its uh, first release. And uh, well, Brandon, the biggest one might be that it it works with Craft Three, hmm. right? Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, yeah, that's why it had to be rewritten. But yeah, I mean, from a from a developer's perspective, the biggest thing is going to be subscriptions. That's something that we've included both in the Pro Edition and the Lite Edition. Um, because we oh, see wow. it as like a very common use case um, and oftentimes doesn't really require a very complicated site uh, to have a use case for subscriptions. So it made sense to include it everywhere. It's Stripe only. Uh, Stripe is actually doing most of the work here. Uh, we've, we've added in our, our gateway interface, you know, various uh, ways to um, for third parties to implement subscription support. But right. As of right now, we've only first party added support for it through our Stripe plugin. But... That's kind of the big thing. Uh, the other side of it is um, is in rewriting it. You know, just like Craft Three, it's become much more extensible. Um, mm-hmm. Every gateway is now provided by a plugin, uh, even Stripe and PayPal and things like that. And in doing that, we've made the gateway API a lot easier to use for people that need that. We've made it, uh, you know, do a better job supporting third-party purchasable types. So even like our own first-party digital products plugin uh, is kind of more of a, a first-class citizen in Commerce 2 than it ever was in Commerce 1. You know, just general extensibility improvements, developer improvements. You can create what we call reference numbers on orders now. Um, So we've had a lot of requests for people that they want the order number to be something that's like the year dash and then some incrementing number based on the number of orders that have happened that year. Uh, So that's possible in in Commerce 2 now. And then we've got just a ton of things that uh, we've kind of set the groundwork to start working on now. So Commerce 2.1 is already in the works and um, you know, we've got, we've got several releases planned that are just full of exciting features we've been looking forward to building. You know, that's something that I really enjoy. So I'm going to talk in an old yarn that's in the software development business, which is that if you want to build something right, what you do, or if you want to figure out how to uh, write a, some type of product or code correctly, what you do is you write it, you finish it, and then you redo the whole thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> because you learn so much. Like you go into it, no matter how much planning you do, you go into it with a certain set of assumptions. You're like, okay, I'm going to build it this way, right? And some of those assumptions may be wrong. The way that people end up using it may be different. So as a developer, I actually really enjoy being able to go in there and look at what I did, take the experience from building that thing and have a fresh start at rebuilding it. Did you guys experience that with Craft 3? And that then was, also yeah, I mean, like that, that happened numerous times just leading up to Craft 1.0. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and then Craft 3 was definitely 
our our more most recent example of that and and uh and commerce 2 followed suit there as well yeah it's just the nature of development though right yeah i mean yeah. there are just things that you just don't know until you, you do just, it. I mean, well yeah. you know part of it's logistics and you know just yeah. you know you got to be realistic about how much you're going to be able to accomplish initially versus, you know, things that can wait until later. You know, sometimes it's best to start off with like a very focused use case and and just ignore everything else and know you can you can rewrite things later to, to address more things. But, you know, there's the necessity of getting something to a completed state where you can start, you know, making money off it or whatever else, you know, like just get it out in the world and see if it helps anyone. It's better to help someone than to wait, you know, forever to help no, to help everyone. You know? Yeah. I, I've got a buddy of mine that he builds houses for a living and we were out having a beer and talking and I was telling him about, you know, Oh, I was redoing this whole thing. And he's just like, you developers are crazy. Like we build a house. We don't go, go back in two years, tear it down and rebuild it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But you're also building yeah. it for one, one family, one, one, you know, Right, Lisey, whatever. It's okay. I think that the multiple use cases thing is the is the crazy thing about software development. Like, there's craft itself is used for such a high variety of things, from simple brochure sites to these full API. I mean, like you you were at Dot All, you saw Aaron Berkowitz's presentation about how craft is used for PBS Kids. Yeah, you know, serving whatever whatever it is, billions of requests per year. It's it's just hard to fathom, you know how you're, the thing you're building is going to be used once it's out there in the world. Oh, yeah. You release it into the wild and you're just like, you're doing what? <laughs> you know? Especially when you're doing what you are uh, building with craft, which is you're trying to create a, uh, a basically a set of Legos that people can put together whatever they want. Right. Right. So you're going to you're going to run just an incredibly wild gamut of things that people then try to do with it. But my response to my friend was that the, the reason you don't go back and tear the house down is because you can't, right? The expense of doing that is ridiculous, you know? And it, it you're, you're right that it's a much simpler use case, right? Because it's one family or whatever. Um, but definitely, occasionally, people will build additions on and, and that kind of thing. Sure. But with, with software, it's a lot easier to tear it down and rebuild it. Right. You know, if you're going to modify a house, you're going to do it in the most economical way um, yeah. because that, that cost to change what's already there is, is much higher than with code, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, here we've got exactly. PHP form now. We just click a button and it, you know we can change the name of function across the entire code base without needing to worry about you know forgotten code and whatnot. So. And that's a, a connection that a lot of people that aren't in tech don't often make. And what I try to tell people is that the more that we can do up front to figure out exactly what you need, the better. Um, and what I always say is, you know, if you're if, if you're building a house and then you decide you want a swimming pool on the second floor, well, we got to start over, right? Because you got to reinforce it. You got to do all this other stuff. You know, you can't just throw it in the house. And I try to mention that it's kind of the same thing with software, that the better we can plan up front for this, uh, the more likely it is that it's going to turn out the way that we want it. But anyway, I, I forget about this nonsense tangent. So <laughs> Commer- <laughs> Patrick is probably steaming and turning red over there. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, so, I mean, Commerce 2 looks amazing. We can use it on Craft 3 now. A lot of people have been pining away for that. Maybe a lot of people are, are waiting uh, for that to happen in order to switch over uh, to Craft 3 because they're client site 
needs it. We're getting subscriptions, which is amazing. That is actually a feature that a client of mine that I've long wanted to switch over to Craft, that is one feature that we've been waiting for. And I realize there are other ways we could have done it in the interim, but I figured we'd just wait because we knew that it was coming. But let's talk about Commerce 2, the Pro and the Lite editions. So it sounds like Commerce Pro is basically what Commerce was for Craft 2. What is Commerce Lite? It's a subset of Pro, and, and what is the subset? Yeah, it's a subset of Pro. It's um, it's very much implemented the same way as Craft Solo versus Craft Pro. So either way, it's the same code base. Uh, there's just something in the project config that's determining whether you're running Lite or Pro, uh, and then the code itself kind of reacts to that. Um, the the use case for it is um, is regular websites where uh, they're not building it as a quote-unquote e-commerce store, but but it's a regular website that needs some form of e-commerce, but that's not the centerpiece of the website. I think, you know, like from a, you know, rule of thumb perspective, like if, if you're building a website and like there's going to be a cart icon in the nav, like mm-hmm. you're building an e-commerce store, you know, you're not building a regular website, you're building a store, you should be using Pro. Pro, you're most likely going to be needing you know, some custom gateway work, you're most likely going to be needing to man- to manage and fine tune your, your sh- take, uh, shipping and tax rules, you're going to need to hook commerce up to a fulfillment center, you know, whatever it is, like, you're going to have more, you know, what we consider pro or, or you know, the uh, full featured uh, needs for the site. If you're just building a regular website, you know, commerce is commerce, functionality was never part of the initial spec or it was always on a nice to have list. And, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's the idea of like, Hey, we could create a members only section or we could, you know, do a one-off t-shirt run every now and then we could, you know, all these kind of, you know, use cases for commerce, but, but not ones that define the store, not, not the type of things where like the client's really going to want to invest a couple weeks of their time and figuring out, you know, what all their, what taxes they should be, um, charging people up front and what, you know, what uh, shipping costs they should be giving everyone and worrying about multiple gateways, worrying about building a cart and letting you add multiple things to the cart, you know, all these complexities. Um, if those aren't there, then we've built light for that. Right. Um, so light is pro, but you're limited. It's like pro, but you're limited to one single line item in the cart. Um, you can have multiple quantity on that, but it's limited to one line item. And like, at a high level, we're just kind of saying uh, you don't get a cart. You get a cart in Pro, you don't get a cart in Lite. Technically, there's a cart, but uh, it's limited to one line item. It's a very small cart. It's a very small cart. And you don't get access to all of the complicated shipping rules. You can set a, you can set a shipping rate, but you don't get to create a bunch of uh, conditions on that rate, and you can't create multiple rates, and you can't add you know, all that kind of fine-tuned stuff that pro offers same thing for tax rules you know everything's just kind of more simplified for for more simple use cases and we're packaging all that up as the light edition and we're charging only 199 for it as opposed to 999 yeah and i love that subscriptions is part of that because the the aforementioned website that i've been waiting for subscriptions it can use the light version right because basically people go there they can choose what subscription they're going to sign up for, but they're only doing that one thing in yeah. the checkout process and away they go. Right. Yeah. And the other thing I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to build this site, uh, move it over to, to craft. And I'm assuming that 
if we implement it with commerce to light, and then at some point down the, the road, he decides that he wants to add, you know, additional things to the cart, like maybe you can add a t-shirt or, you know, whatever. I assume we can just pay you some money and, and get pro and everything that was there will continue to work, but then we'll have the expanded functionality. Is that how it works? Yeah. And that's one of the big benefits of having it all be one code base. Uh-huh. So you're not actually installing a new pro- plugin. If you were to upgrade to pro, all you're doing is, you know, effectively switching a, switching a string from light to pro in the project config and, and paying us some money and away you go. Uh, so the code doesn't change, um, the database doesn't change. You're just allowed to put more things in it now, and so, we'll we'll offer so, you an upgrade for the for the difference. So eight hundred dollars. So magically, your cart just gets bigger, right? As opposed to, <laughs> to being limited to, to putting one little thing in that in that dainty little cart. Now we can just throw as much stuff as we want in there, um, as well as the complicated shipping rules. Wow, correct. That is really cool. So, Leah, my understanding is that you folks are big on eating your own dog food. So are you using Commerce 2 to power anything at Pixel and Tonic? Yeah, we've been using Commerce 2 um, to power the plugin store since the launch of Craft 3. Mm, interesting. So I, yeah. I that gives me great confidence. I'd love to see it when a developer of a product that I depend on also is dog fooding it and using it for their own livelihood, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just think that's so critical, right? Because <laughs> if something doesn't work in, in commerce, Leah, I mean, you know, you're, you're going to be in trouble, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So what, uh, do you have any uh, marketing angles or, or other things that you might want to mention about commerce too, in terms of if you were sitting down to uh, talk with someone about... <laughs> reasons why they might be interested in in commerce too like what would you tell them well commerce too and commerce light are super exciting um subscriptions is big Mm -hmm. you're seeing in e-commerce more and more moving to a subscription-based model so being able to have that out of the box is a game changer with Commerce Lite, it really does allow sites running content subscription services or even sites that would like to take donations to have a $199 option to have that functionality on their site. So that's super exciting. I mean, Commerce 2 has so much in terms of being able to put whole categories of products on sale. Um, there's been a lot of updates to promotions, um, which just from a feature comparison, you know, really make Commerce 2 so much more robust out of the box and really a contender against the other e-commerce platforms out there. Um, Moving gateways into plugins is exciting. That also gives us room to grow and um, utilize other payment gateways. So... Those are kind of the big things that we look at in terms of how we're marketing Commerce 2 and Commerce Lite. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm very much looking forward to implementing this site, getting it up and running. But I've got a question, I guess, under the hood. So are plugin purchases, are those technically subscriptions from your point of view? Like, is that what they are under the hood, Brandon? They're not implemented as subscriptions um, because... With subscriptions, you kind of have to like predefine what the plans are, and you know those are defined on Stripe's end, and uh, you know we don't want to have to do that. 
uh, for every single plugin in the store and in, you know, plugins that have multiple editions have to define multiple of these subscriptions per. And we also want a little bit more flexibility on, you know, being able to offer you discounts on renewals potentially, or um, being able to line up your renewal dates between multiple plugins. And at that point, give you one single charge that covers everything that was due that day. And there's no way to do that without not only creating a subscription per plugin edition, but creating a subscription per, you know, uh, license, craft license uh, per, you know, um, dates that line up kind of thing. Like there's just, it just realistically wouldn't, wouldn't have been possible to do it with subscriptions uh, without ending up with like thousands and thousands of subscription plans that we have to manage in our Stripe account. So instead of that, we're just, we're keeping track of um, expiration dates for licenses. If the license is set to be auto renewable, which is something people can enable from their craft ID account, then that date comes and we'll just automatically charge their card. Otherwise, uh, they can, you know, they'll be notified that their license is expired and, and they can go into craft ID and they can just choose to renew it for one or two or three or four or five years at that point. Our, uh, our, and this is off topic, but our, uh, Normal uh, plugin updates and craft updates automatically set to automatically renew in uh, in craft ID. Um, no, nothing set to renew automatically by default. You have, oh, to, interesting. you have to opt into that. Okay, interesting. So I think it's great though that craft or commerce two is flexible enough that you guys can implement something as crazy as the custom plugin licensing system that you have, right? I mean, it, that should give any developer confidence that they're wondering, you know, can Commerce 2 do this? You can just point to the plugin store and say, look, we're already doing it, right? Yeah, and the most interesting thing we're doing there is we're actually um, running Commerce uh, as an API. So it's not it's not a traditional Commerce site in that there's no forms that post to a Commerce controller or anything like that. Like, it's all just we have... We have our API that manages a wide variety of things from giving you update notifications to, you know, to, re, you know, to assigning li- plugin licenses to your craft license, to creating craft license, you know, all kinds of different things. And that same API also has endpoints for creating a cart, updating a cart, purchasing a cart. And those are the API endpoints that the plugin store within craft and the plugin store on pluginstarcraftstudents.com now. That's the API that those those things are using to actually manage your your carts and purchases. Yeah, so, the, the more more and more websites that I'm working on are API driven type stuff. So uh-huh. that's really really awesome to see. Yeah. So you mentioned plugins.craftcms.com. That got that's another thing that you <laughs> did yeah. a whole bunch of stuff on, right? So this right. is a redone. It's no longer just kind of like oh you know here's the list of stuff. This is actually a freestanding plugin store now, right? It is, yes. So for the first time ever, you can buy plugins online without a craft install, which nice. is going to be really handy for a lot of situations where people are running servers with outdated uh, OpenSSL libraries, uh, mm-hmm. where the you know pl- their local cl- plugin stores can't even connect to our API because it's requiring HTTPS and the protocol is out of date. So we can now just point them, hey, just go to pluginstarcastings.com and buy it there instead. And soon we'll be adding craft itself to it. So you'll be able to buy craft for the first time ever uh, mm-hmm. right from the website. And yeah, it's, it's actually pretty cool. It's all built on a view app that's uh, shared between CraftCMS and, uh, and pluginstarcastings.com, uh, or at least most of the components there are all shared between the two. 
it's a Nuxt app. So it's the first time we've built anything with Nuxt, and that was really fun. And the actual purchasing is is handled by Craft ID. So uh, when you click buy on the plugin store, um, rather than rather than implement a second cart on plugins.craftstudents.com, we already needed a cart on Craft ID for you know renewing plugin licenses and whatnot. So we just go ahead and fo- redirect you over to your Craft ID account and add the plugin to your cart there, and then you can do the checkout process from Craft ID. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, there are a number of scenarios where it's really useful to be able to purchase a license for uh, a plugin and and hopefully craft soon in a freestanding place and not needing to have a site. There are definitely times where it's convenient that you can just go into the existing site and just add it right there. And that's that's awesome. But there are are also cases where having a freestanding place where you can point a client and say, "Go buy this." Yeah, um, yeah. It's really, yeah. really, really. Just have it have it assigned to their own Craft ID account right from the start. No transferring mm-hmm. required. Yeah, yeah. The other thing too that um, isn't possible yet, but but is now a possibility, is adding you know bulk bulk license purchase discounts. You know, because for the first time ever, you'll be able to go to um, to Craft ID and. Go ahead and buy ten Craft Pro licenses and ten SEOmatic licenses all in one go. You know, maybe maybe I like the we'll wanna, I like we'll the way wanna, you think. <laughs> maybe we'll like, want to like, add you know a ten percent discount off if you uh, if you buy ten or more licenses and things like that. Like and and so for the first time, we'll have that as a uh, as a possibility. It's something that we've done privately, but it's always required us to just send an invoice via PayPal and, and manually right. create 10 licenses or whatever it is. You know, I forget what the actual numbers are, 15 maybe, but, but it'll be really nice to be able to automate that. And then also to provide those discount options to plugin developers as well that want to, that want to start adding those sorts of discounts. Another cool feature there too, is that you can buy them for multiple years. So we've heard mm. a lot from people doing client work that, it, they want to buy three years worth of updates for both craft and plugins mm-hmm. so that cards aren't being charged or they're not having to bill clients um, annually. And so that's an exciting thing that you can now do with plugins. Yeah, and you, can, you can do that within both the web plugin store as well as the in-app plugin store. Either yeah, way, great. once you've got something in your cart, if it's a new craft license or a new plugin license, you can choose how far back you want the expiration date to go. Hmm. Yeah, that that's fantastic. And Leah, I think you meant to say if someone wants to buy three years of craft and SEO matic. One hundred percent. Sorry about I that. Know about that. <laughs> because you know, you got you gotta factor in like how often is this plugin developer actually gonna be updating their plugin? You know, I, don't I don't know about SEO Matic. He's kind of a slacker, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't get my- Andrew. <laughs> you wound me. You wound me. I mean, there, there are two ways you can think about it, right? Frequent updates are either, wow, that's awesome. He's adding stuff all the time. Or, wow, he's got a lot of bugs to fix. <laughs> <laughs> I think most developers uh, equate active development with as being a good thing. Yeah, it, it's more, and a lot of agencies and other organizations are on board with doing, you know, quote unquote, agile development. So, they're used to that kind of cycle of stuff. So it's not really a big deal. Maybe on the, on the subject of updates, maybe it's also worth noting that in the new plugin store, both the in-app one and the website one um, on plugin pages, we actually show the change log now. 
which is oh, pretty nice. exciting because that's that's another kind of proof point on whether whether right. you want to invest in this plugin or not is is you know I do think most people see updates as a very good thing and being able to see right there when you're evaluating plugins like what their what their history looks like uh, is pretty. Cool. I am right now scrolling through the SEOmatic change log on plugins.craftcms.com. And I want to report right here and now, it's a five-minute read. <laughs> we, we probably should add some read time plug-in to that. Just to... Yeah, it's a five-minute read. Mm-hmm. Everything's a five-minute read. So the other thing that I'm really excited about, about the standalone plugin store from a developer point of view, is that I now have a canonical link yes. that I can put on my website that I can say, this is SEOmatic, like or, or a buy button, a CTA that says go here. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's huge. We we've heard that as uh, feedback since the day the plugin store launched. That it's it's kind of annoying that we don't have any sort of public archive or right. plugins or anything like that. And the best they could do is link to you know that that old plugins.craftsmans.com, which was just a table with a list of all the plugins that are in the system and right. didn't even well, or you send to your bro or anything. Uh-huh. Or, or you send them a GitHub link, but you know, sending that yeah. client GitHub link, they're like, well, "What?" Yeah, the hell GitHub, is, that? <laughs> GitHub is uh, not exactly where you want to be. Like sending yeah. people you don't know that they're developers, right? So, and plus, it can't be a buy button, right? Like you can't link to GitHub. There was just there was no way that if you had a a website that listed your your own plugins, there was no way you could have a button where you're like, buy this thing, right? Yeah. So that this gives us that. Yeah, the call to action is, hey, go install Craft 3. Yeah. Then go to the plugin store, search for this, click the buy button. You know, yeah, it's it's not great. So, so, so having that canonical link is absolutely fantastic. But I, I think uh, I got to talk to Benjamin. We got to talk about uh, the SEO on it though. We gotta, we gotta, no, I'm not, I'm not even making a joke. Like it, it would be really nice if when you link to that, it gave an excerpt of the description and the plugin icon, you know, like Slack would unfurl it and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Uh, the other thing that would be cool is if you could upload, um, some sort of hero image for your plugin that actually shows up in the plugin store, but also would be like that little Twitter image uh-huh. thing that yes. you know gets thumbnailed in Slack and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the really cool things about the plugin stores is part of part of this thing we call CraftNet, which is which is a um, gigantic craft install that provides all the services for the APIs for plugin store and for um, API uh, the API and purchasing and all that kind of stuff. And that's all up on GitHub at, pixelontonic, at github.com slash pixelontonic slash craftnet. So you can submit a pull request if you would like. <laughs> well, I could submit a pull request or I could just file an issue and complain about it. Yeah, that's true. That's another option. <laughs> Actually, that is uh, realistically, uh, please do that. Please file an yeah. issue there um, and we can you know get it onto the list. We've got, now that we're past the launch, we've got a number of, tidying up type of things that we'd like to get to. And uh, and it seems like improving SEO should be high on that list. This is a lot of really cool. I'm sorry, Leah, did you have something you wanted to say? Oh, I was just agreeing that improving the SEO is something we want to do there. Yeah. I'm um, talking to my people. I like it. Have you written <laughs> SEO matter for, for Vue yet? Or next app? No, no. Um, what most people are using is a package called Vue Meta. Mm-hmm. 
And it's very much what you would expect from a kind of node package in, in that it's, you know, it's very, it's very declarative, it's programmatic, and you've got uh, components and objects. And but that's probably what you would want to use to sure. wear this up. Um, and that's, uh, incidentally, the same thing that you can and probably should be using for the documentation pages. Um, there are ways that uh, you can add that component to ViewPress and you can do it there. Oh, too. cool. So it's a, the same, same thing. So this is pretty amazing. Um, you folks have released a whole lot of stuff, but I, I got to ask this. The 24-hour window around <laughs> the release time, and I, I want an answer from both of you. Did you have more hours of sleep or more cups of coffee? Brandon. <laughs> um, well, I had two cups of coffee, which is which is one more than I usually have ever had in a single day. Wow. <laughs> it's zero. So I, I got very little sleep because of that. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say it was necessarily productive, but it wasn't sleep. So do you sleep more than two hours, though? Usually I sleep about five. Oh, okay. Five or six. All right. So you, all right. So you had fewer cups of coffee than sleep. So how about you, Leah? I don't drink coffee. What? Um, no. I don't drink coffee, but um, wow. I had quite a few cups of tea, and it was definitely more than the sleep coffee? I had. Have you ever had coffee? I have, but okay. <laughs> I don't no, drink no. It anymore. Someone, someone from the New York Times is going to listen to this and write a whole article about how successful people don't drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, you may think it's a crazy question, but I uh, was watching an interview with Mike Tyson, the boxer, right? He said he's never in his entire life had a cup of coffee, like never even had one. Not that he's not a coffee drinker, just that he's never had one, which I was just like, really? Like, how how is that even possible? But I mean, he also said that he was smoking weed and doing coke at 12. So that was uh, Ice-T said that he never had a bagel and had never had coffee. And they now uh, have a video of him actually trying them for the first time in his life. Huh. Yeah, he probably thought coffee was awful, right? I don't know. I'm looking at it now. I'm trying to find out how I mean, yeah. your your first experience with coffee oh, usually is not vanilla no, latte yeah. or Starbucks or something. Yeah, yeah. You got to go flavored or something for your first exactly. time. Yeah, like a real foo foo whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I mean, seriously, this is a an incredible amount of stuff that you folks have released in a simultaneous manner, and um, I'm excited. I mean, I whenever one of these big releases happens, oh. I feel like a, a kid with a new set of toys. Yeah, it's like an Apple Apple product release for me, which is <laughs> saying a lot. Well, it's and we different. Go ahead. We didn't even talk about plugin editions. Oh yeah, we gotta we gotta talk hmm. about that. We gotta <laughs> talk about that. Well, we so, covered Commerce Light and Proud. Yeah, well, but but it's important because. Yeah, because that's exposed to developers. So in order for you to have Commerce Lite and Commerce Pro with one code base, you necessarily had to have addition support, right? And that's something that you, you're opening up to plugin developers? Uh, yeah, we're we're playing it safe there. Um, we are kind of worried that if we add addition support for every plugin developer, it's they're just going to start adding additions even though they shouldn't, even though like it's probably not a good idea um, just because developers have a tendency to want to play with new toys that they get. Um, And uh, we think that would ultimately be a bad customer experience in the plugin stores. If all of a sudden every single thing listed in there is, you know, now you got to pick which edition you want. So we're, we're, um, we're keeping it 
limited to you know uh, plugins that we decide uh, would like uh, really really warrant having an addition. So if a plugin developer wants to add multiple additions, they can write into us and kind of make their case. Um, we're mostly concerned with the use cases. So if you can provide, you know, here's two use cases for my plugin that are that are pretty different, and here's how two additions could could meet each of those without needing to create two separate plugins. Um, mm. You know, then then we'll be there'll be a pretty good chance we'll give you a pass on that. But we just we want you to go through that exercise and and kind of make your case to us before we make every single customer using the plugin store need to start making a decision, you know, for you. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that makes sense because at some point for content to be useful, it needs to be curated. And you're essentially saying, no, you know, we're going to be the gatekeeper to make sure that the plugin store doesn't turn into a, you know, a cesspool. Right? Yeah. We, it's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an added complexity to the plugin store and, you know, we, we want to keep the plugin store as simple as possible. So we just want to keep that, hold on to that complexity and except for cases where it really makes sense. One place where it really makes sense is plugins that are already out there that are already selling two different editions of themselves. Um, there's three cases of this right now. There's, there's uh, Ben Croker's campaigns plugin, which has, you know, kind of a standard edition and then the, a separate pro edition that, um, you need to buy in addition to the standard edition right. um, in order to unlock various pro features in standard edition. Uh, and then there's also um, Verb's Feed Me plugin. Uh, and then there's uh, Soul Space's Freeform versus Freeform Pro. Um, right. So in those cases, like to achieve quote unquote edition support in Craft 3.0, They've already kind of added this extra complexity to the plugin store by creating two plugins for, for what really is a single plugin. Um, and so in those cases, adding an addition to the light edition, light versions of those plugins um, would actually simplify things. So in that case, right. it's a no-brainer. Yes, we should be giving these people access to a into light and pro editions. So so those will definitely happen. Uh, we'll be working with those plugin developers to to get that to happen in the in the coming weeks, I guess. Um, and then, you know, we'll kind of play it on a case by case basis from there. I know Ben Parizic has written in, he, he wants to add some additions and, you know, there's, there's going to be others as well, but we just want to, we just want to tread lightly. This is a case where my laziness is paying off, right? So back when, uh, craft two was around, I'm like, no, I'm not going to charge for any plugins until pixel and tonic develops a, a craft store, uh, in craft three. And then when Craft 3 came out, I'm like, no, I'm not going to implement any additions until that's an official part of the spec. <laughs> so now I don't have any work. I got to go back and undo, right? Yeah, there you go. But I, I am interested in the additions, and it's, it's possible I might be writing uh, into you soon as well. Um, yeah, and, and I should say, like, one of, one, you know, if you have a commercial plugin and you want to add a free tier to it, um, we're going to be, there's a pretty good chance we're going to be perfectly fine with that um right if you have a free plugin and you want to add a commercial tier to it and it's you know it's a bunch of new features and not, as opposed to things you're already giving away for free um then then we'll probably be pretty okay with that uh where things get a little more complex is if you wanted you know two commercial editions that's you know that's where we really want to spend a little bit more time scrutinizing your plan and make sure that make sure that it makes sense uh for customers um that means i'm going to be Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then and then the other the other thing is like we're 
we're hoping the vast majority of plugins are going to be fine with two editions. Um, and when that's the case, we're going to call require them to be called light and pro just as kind of one step toward making things a little bit more intuitive for customers. Is, is light always free or no? No, it doesn't have to be free. And that was actually okay. a big point of debate internally is that, you know, I, I kind of felt like light didn't imply free, that light still kind of implied commercial and there should be some other lower free tier if we, if someone mm-hmm. something is actually free, but at the end of the day, we decided to settle on just light and, and pro. And then, in the very rare case where a plugin has a good need for three editions, we we give them a plus right in between those two. So light mm. plus and pro. Uh, I think you already have. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Brent. I, I think you already have the name, and I'm I'm still going to lobby for it, even though I know you think I'm crazy for considering it. But I think. I I still think that for some plugins, I would like to have it so that if someone is running on a craft solo install, <laughs> that my plugin could also be free, right? So you what you could have is so you already have the the light and the pro uh, nomenclature. You could use solo for things that are free if they're running on a craft solo install. Mm-hmm. I know you hate it. We'll <laughs> talk about it some other time. Uh, we haven't. That hasn't resonated with anyone else besides you. I know. So I'm, I'm used to that. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other side of it too is like you know, like like solo, like the the limitation you get with craft solo is you, you know that you're stuck to one user account, um, and so like that feature pairing really, you know, if you only have one user, you're not actually limited by one user account. Uh, so it makes sense. It's basically like if you're only one person, you only need one one account. Go ahead and use solo. Don't worry about yeah. it. Um, and the nature of you know of projects tends to be if it's a client site, uh, it's you're probably going to want more than one user account. You're going to want an admin account for you. You're going to want a you know client account for the client at least one, and probably probably others. So it all kind of makes sense. But like that, plugins aren't just like. You know, like, I don't know what a use case for a plugin would be where it would make sense to give away other features for free just because of that one user account limitation. Because Craft isn't doing that anywhere. You know, it's not, I don't know. It just seems, it seems like a straight, like an oddball pairing. Like, like, I'm glad you're able to save some money because you didn't need a second user account. But why does that mean you should save some money? Because why does having one user account mean you should save some money on all these other features. So my my rationale for that would be kind of twofold. So one is that I'm kind of coming from the uh, the gaming sphere, which is a place that I used to live <laughs> in terms of <laughs> developing games. And the model there is freemium, right? Everything is free. Mm-hmm. Um, you you just click the button, you install it, and the reason people do that. And Leah, back me up here is barrier of entry, right? You don't want people to have to, you know, slap anything down. You want them to just be able to install it and use it, right? And then if there are certain things that they need on top of that, then they can upgrade to the, you know, well, games are a little bit different. They're all doing microtransactions. But from this uh, point of view, if you end up needing additional functionality, then you can purchase it, right? And that's to keep the barrier of entry low so that they can install it. The other angle that I'm kind of coming at it from is that most of the sites, not all, but most of the sites that are running on solo are lower budget projects, right? And I would rather have them using SEOmatic 
than rolling their own or using some other plugin that that is free but maybe doesn't really do the job. Yeah, I mean, so, and I would so rather one way you could implement this is like you could create that that light tier for SEOmatic, um, and then within you know within that you could you know have a check like make sure it's running Craft Solo or you know I mean I don't know if that would necessarily be a great customer experience but you could you could um, choose to you know have less feature limitations if you're running craft solo than if you were running craft pro or something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Through, I mean, that, that would be route. possible, but then, then it wouldn't really leverage the built-in licensing, right? Um, In other words, if, if light was free, mm-hmm. there would be no way to get it to show, Hey, you've got to license this if it's running on a craft pro install, you know? And my other rationale for doing it is that, so yeah, I I would rather that they're using uh, my plugin to begin with, both because, uh, you know, it does a good job with what it does. And I would like, I would rather have sites using it than not, but also it gets developers familiar with it. So if they use it on their own personal uh, freelancer or agency site Mm -hmm. and they use it because it's free, they're familiar with it. They like it. They know how to use it. They know how to work with it. When their client comes in wanting a, a pro edition, that's what they're going to buy. Like, it's not even going to be a question. Yeah. You know? Another thing anyway, you can consider wanna... too, because like, you know, you want to, you want to be getting something out of this uh, when you're giving something away for free, right? Like you want, right. you ideally get their email. I guess that's why you want there to be a real license. Um, right. You know, you could create a, a widget on your site that says, Hey, like sign up for your, your one free SEOmatic uh, license. And, mm-hmm. you know, just say, just say in the thing, like, you know, please only use the Soncraft solo site or whatever, but you know, this is for personal evaluation only not, not for professional work, you know, whatever. And, you know, people just have an honor system there, but um, you could do that and then write an API request when someone enters their email that creates a license for them and sent, you know, creates a real SEOmatic pro license for them and sends them a license key and says, you know, all right. Well, we'll, we'll continue to talk about it, and I'll, I'll probably at some point come to the realization that I'm <laughs> that I'm wrong. But we'll we'll keep talking about it. But I don't I don't want to I don't want to bore people too much with this stuff, and you know maybe I'll even cut it out. I mean I don't know. But I, I do. I, I, well, I, I just I think the the number of people that are interested are probably the number of people that are on this call, and maybe not even that many, right? <laughs> It may be just me, so I don't want to bore people. But anyway, you folks have done an amazing job releasing all this stuff. Has it been a, was it a, a painful birth, this nine-month gestation period for uh, Commerce 2 and and Craft 3.1, or did everything go pretty smooth? Um, the launch has been, uh, I don't know about painful, but it definitely has been on kind of par with Craft 3.0 in that it's a, it's a very complicated update. Um, this time, not so much from a developer's perspective in terms of, you know, there's not many, there's not any breaking changes, at least intentionally. Um, but you know, we're, we're like the project config, like if you think about it, it's, it's, we're, we're changing the source of truth in craft in craft 3.1. It's gone from the database is the source of truth to now your project config is the source of truth. Um, and for some things, no, well, for, for everything that's not quote unquote content. Um, mm-hmm. yep. And so the migrations that kind of get you from A to B there are pretty complicated. And 
Um, and any install out there that has data in a way that we weren't expecting, um, just because, you know, older craft sites have a tendency to, you know, you, you change a matrix field to something else. And uh, it turns out we had a bug where we weren't cleaning up and deleting your matrix blocks if you did that. And, you know, mm-hmm. things like, like all of a sudden all these bugs that have been comfortably brushed under the rug or we've just not known about them because they never had any effect on anything. All of a sudden they're all becoming these <clears throat> these show stopping issues where the, you know, like the migration to get into project config, uh, just, just, um, you know, takes a dump. Um, does your support staff start getting this kind of feeling in the pit of their stomach on any of these major releases, like bracing for the impact, <laughs> like a storm? Yeah. Is I coming? mean, it's, it, again, like, you know, we're not, um, we were expecting it for sure. Um, just because we know how complicated this update is under the hood. Um, so it's, it's definitely led to an uptick in support. Um, it does seem like the vast majority of people are updating just fine. We've gotten a lot of positive praise. People are loving project config. They're, you know, they're amazed, you know, when it works, uh, which is most of the time it's, you know, it's a magical experience and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're off to the races managing, you know, multiple environments with a single environment, you know, project config file and, um, but yeah, so it's, it's definitely like more on par with like, you know, from a support taxing perspective, more on par with craft relaunch than a craft, the, you know, minor release or even most, you know, most dot X releases. So, um, it's been a, you know, it's been a long week. We've been, we've been doing our best working around the clock to try and help people get updated and, and get on their way. Um, yep. but it's, but it's led to like yesterday, Brad and I probably spent two or three hours um, looking into a particular craft 2.x to craft 3.1 update issue that we've we've come to the conclusion that it's just a MySQL bug that, you know, that mm-hmm. under particular circumstances, you know, after all the other things MySQL had to do within this request, it gets to a point where it just decides to stop enforcing um, cascade deletes in foreign key constraints. Oh, wow. <laughs> so wow I didn't, yeah. I didn't know there was a mysql timeout i yeah i don't know i can't we can't explain it that's the best conclusion we've got we are all of our google searching has has led to nothing um brandon you need to go increase your max execution time it, yeah it's not that it's i mean we're, we're able to put a breakpoint right where this issue happens and you know and confirm even you know doing queries one at a time even taking the transactions out of the equation it's just you know there's this one place where like for whatever reason um mysql decides not to go ahead and delete you know just to cascade off that delete uh to uh, other rows that are that have foreign key constraints to it um wow resulting in a you know an integrity constraint violation down the road um so you know in that place we've like literally just had to like add a second uh delete statement for this other table that was supposed to just automatically get delete, you know, get rows deleted when we were expecting it to. Um, Those are the fun kind so of, it's, and it's stuff like that. And it's like that, that's um, like the work around there. If we didn't make any code change is if you did update to craft three dot dot, you know, let's say 37 uh, first, and then went from that to craft 3.1. It's all the exact same code that gets run either way. The exact same migration code that's run either route you take, but just having that second request take over the second half of that, that upgrade uh, seems to work around it. So it's just been, you know, it's been stuff like that, where it's just like this here, you know, annoying, you know, things that we've got to deal with that affect, you know, a handful of people. And 
Well, it's a little bit Brandon, it sounds like it, it sounds like pretty soon you're going to have the same amount of hair that that myself and Brad have. <laughs> Brad has a nice full head of hair. He just chooses to to shave it off. Well, maybe I do too. Yeah. You never know. But probably not. <laughs> well, this has been fantastic. Thank you both for coming on and talking to us about uh, Craft 3.1. And Leah, I still think you're awesome, even though you're not a coffee drinker. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm gonna let it. I appreciate that. I'm gonna let it slide. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know that my validation is super important too. Yep, it is. <laughs> um, but that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. To have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe via RSS or via iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. And Brandon Kelly has told me numerous times that no one listens to the end. So if you listen to the end of this, tweet <laughs> at Brandon Kelly. And let him know you did. <laughs> You can also follow us on Twitter at devmode.fm, and we'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Please leave us a comment on the devmode.fm website. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Patrick Harrington. And thank you, Leah and Brandon. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Patrick is frantically messaging me. I've got a client call. <laughs> I've got to drop. I've got a client. I've got to go. I've got kids to wake up and.